so thanks Shirley and Michelle. Um, and I also just want to thank the worship team for doing Step by Step. I know that's an old song. There's not that many words in it, but I really, I really like that picture of seeking God in the morning and learning to walk in his ways as, as he guides us. I just think that's a great image. So um, let's pray as we uh, open up this, uh, this study, Lord. Thank you, Lord, as we, we're getting the opportunity to continue studying your word today in Proverbs. Thank you that your word is available to us, and we thank you that it's available all over the world in many languages. Um, we pray for those who don't have it in your language yet, that um, that work would still be continuing by those that are working diligently in that so that we can all, all become wise and all learn of salvation that you offer us. And we just thank you for all these things and this chance to be together this morning. Amen. All right, so, um, oops, helps if we turn it on. Um, I wanted to uh, just first briefly bring you up today. Um, as many of you know, um, our son Gabe had a visit to the hospital a couple weeks ago, and uh, I think most everybody else, uh, most everybody has heard a little bit about it, but um, basically he had a sinus infection that, that none of us knew was going on, and it got out of control and spread to... Um, the tissue around his eye, and thank goodness um, everything's fine, and he got good care, and uh, I just wanted to thank you all for your prayers. Um, I know they meant a lot to him and to us, and then and other things that many of you did for us, too, during that time. So, anyway, thank you for that, and I just want to tie into that, um, in that, um, to t talk about what's an infection. It occurred to me that it is not an in infection's nature to stay in one place so like in his case it left the sinus and went somewhere else to cause more trouble and um if you think of it there are kind of two ways that we would think of an infection so the first has to do with our body so an infection is the invasion of a bodily tissue by pathogenic microorganisms that um, proliferate and result in tissue injury that can progress to disease. Uh, it could also be thought of as a harmful program or we just commonly call a virus, which could be um, passed into a computer or a computer file. <clears throat> and I'm not trying to say that Gabe's uh, infection has to do with sin, but I think we can think about the nature of an infection and the nature of sin and pick up on some things that would be helpful for us to be reminded of or to understand. So if this could lead to disease, we try to prevent disease, right? So for our bodies, we just we try to nip it in the bud with preventing infections, either by strengthening our strengthening our bodies by you know trying to exercise, getting adequate rest. We also may choose to avoid situations where we're exposed to different kinds of infections that are out there. Within reason, we have to go on living, but we might choose to make some choices to, again, prevent these infections from taking hold. From computers, and I'm not a computer guy, so I'm just going to use real layman's terms, but like we, <laughs> we employ things like not clicking on things that we don't know where they came from, virus scans, also using firewalls, things like that. And the reason is that, again, the disease 
if we get a disease in our body or if we get a malicious code or virus in our computer, in the case of the disease, this condition is going to impair our normal functioning of our body from what it's designed to do. In the case of, our com of computers or things like that, this malicious code is going to alter the way the computer operates usually so that you can't use it for what you wanted to use it for. And it's also going to design to spread from one computer to another. I would like to suggest and remind us that we have an adversary. And as 1 Peter 5, 8 through 9 says, we need to stay alert and watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour we need to stand firm against him and be strong in your faith. And it goes on to remind us that we're not the only ones facing this, that our other believers around the world are also facing these same challenges, the same adversary. Now, our adversary, he desires that we not function the way we're designed to. When we function the way we're designed to, we're going to be pleasing God, we're going to glorify God, and he, he does not, Satan does not want us to be glorifying God and giving God glory and functioning the way that God worked things out. He is, you know, totally against all that, obviously. And our adversary, he desires that we not survive. He'd rather us be out, I mean, if we're going to just not do anything to glorify God, he's probably okay just to leave us alone, but if we, if we, if we're not, um, you know, if we're not going to glorify him, he'll be fine with it. But if we are, he's going to try to disable us, so to speak. And lastly, our adversary desires that we spread dysfunction to others, to those around us. And I mean, you've pr probably noticed how it seems today that, like, minding your own business or agreeing to disagree is not good enough for many who don't know and don't have a relationship with God. If you don't embrace or help spread the dysfunction that, that they are fond of, then you are you're an enemy to the, their potential unrighteous cause. And we also have a weak flesh to contend with. As James reminds us, in, as reminded in James 1, verses 13 to 15, it says, let no one say, when he is tempted, I'm being tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted by, with evil, and he himself tempts no one, but each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. And then desire, when it is conceived, gives birth to sin, and then sin, when it's fully grown, brings forth death. But as believers, remember that we have a powerful, the most powerful resource, 1 Corinthians says that no temptation, no temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. And how does he provide a way of escape? Well, by the strength of his might, ultimately. We have to be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. We, we're encouraged to put on the whole armor of God, which a part of that is 
is the word of God, right? We know that. Then we will be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we, do, we don't wrestle with, against flesh and blood. That's keeping it in perspective. It's not the people around us, but it's our adversary, the devil. And so we can be thankful that we have this armor of God. And as I mentioned, so we have this weapon. We can stand because we have this weapon. Because it says the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of the soul and of the spirit, of joints and marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him whom, to whom we must give an account. So Proverbs is an important part of that double-edged sword and God, that God has given us. And using this sword helps us to defeat strongholds and begin to live the way that he wants, the way he designed us to. And I think we can think of it either in health terms or, I don't know why I always think of it in either health terms or automotive terms. <laughs> so, so Josh will get a kick out of this because I'm always bringing my car into his shop, right? But so there's, the, the Proverbs could be used as a preventative thing to keep us from going in the wrong direction, right? Preventative maintenance. But it also helps us maintain if we're on track. Okay, we're going to keep going in this direction because this is what the Word of God encourages us to do. And it also is the remedy to help us get back where we need to be. And that's for both physical and spiritual in those, in those realms. Proverbs is going to give us choice, help us make choices for healthy and skillful living. So the key word in Proverbs is wisdom. And sometimes it's just called the book of wisdom. How do we live a godly life in an ungodly world? And it describes how we interact with, with, with whom. So the, um, Shirley and Michelle were talking with the kids about interacting with their parents, or that harsh, that harsh answer verse, that's a great one for brothers and sisters too, uh, or co-workers, it goes lots of places. So again, it's, as a whole, it describes detailed instructions on how to interact with God, with parents, with children, with our neighbors, with the government, and we need to look at the authorship. So how how are the Bible's Proverbs different from other ancient or modern-day Proverbs? And I would say that ultimately it lies in the author, right? It, Solomon, God used Solomon to write these Proverbs. And Solomon was the one who asked for, for wisdom from its very source, from God. As it said in 1 Kings 3, verse 5, Solomon asked God, give your servant, therefore, an understanding mind to govern your people that I may discern between good and evil. And um, we spent um, a lot of time back when we looked at Kings and Chronicles, you know, Solomon asked for this and God provided this. He provided him with so much wisdom that um, it was known as this verse references that I like it says that he had understanding beyond measure and the breadth of mind like the sand on the seashore. And so it was known throughout the world how wise he was. And we also learned back in those other books that people came from around the world to learn of the knowledge and wisdom that he had. And I hope you can see the significance. The significance is the author, the ultimate author, the source is God. Solomon got this information from God, not just something he made up on his, on his own. As you begin to read Proverbs, you see right away the clear purpose of the book. 
I'm just going to read the first couple of verses. Um, you can follow along if you want. Verses 1 through, I think I go up to 7. It says, the purpose is to know wisdom and instruction, to understand words of insight, to receive instruction in wise dealing, in righteousness, justice, and equity, to give prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the youth. Let the wise hear and increase in learning, and the ones, and, sorry, and the one who understands obtain guidance. To understand a proverb and a saying, the words of the wise and their riddles. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. So we want wisdom and instruction because we don't want to be fools, right? So wisdom, the Hebrew word for that, means skill. And instruction, the Hebrew word for that, literally means discipline. And so no skill is perfected or improved upon without discipline. And when one is skilled at something, they can really create something of beauty, whether it's in their life or something they create, a physical thing or something you listen to. Um, when, I think of, when I think of this, I, I think of a, a couple, I'll give you a couple examples, maybe you can think of some of your own. I think of Michelle's dad, I mean, he's in construction, but like when I watch him work, it's like I'm just amazed because he he has been trained. He's you know he was he has this skill and he was disciplined to to learn it, and so he can just cut things in his he measures them in his head, and see that would be this much, and then he cuts the hole there or whatever it is, and then even like application of of even like mud for finishing off a wall it's just it's a beautiful thing when he finishes right I also think about um, the musicians who are up here this morning I think about last Sunday we were at Dave's um, recital and in in particular when he and uh, his professor were both playing at the same time like that was amazing and that was like creating a thing of beauty I also think about Tom Short I know he doesn't go out on campus like he did at one time, at least that's my understanding, but that was how he was able to, I, I saw him a few times, how he would be able to talk to people and ask questions and convey God's love to them, even in the most controversial topics where people were like really angry. It Ultimately, I think that he was able to do that because of this having wisdom and instruction and working and perfecting that with God's help. Because if God is giving us wisdom and instruction, he, he wants us to create something in our lives or things that will be appreciated and ultimately those things glorify him. So there is a format to the book of Proverbs and there's a lot of different ways you can break it down, but just to kind of give you an overall summary, there are notes in the note sheet you hopefully got when you came in. Now's a good time to mention it. <laughs> I'm halfway through, but... Anyway, if you didn't, please pick one up on the way out. But there are proverbs that were written by Solomon. They have his name attached to the beginning of certain sections. Like, I wrote this, just like the one I read from chapter 1. There are also others that were collected, other proverbs that they believe were collected and edited, so to speak, by Solomon. He might not have written them in the beginning, but Ecclesiastes refers to how he pondered and sought out and he set in order many proverbs. A third kind of segment are some proverbs that 
Hezekiah's scribes organize, and that would have been years later, but Hezekiah also wanted his people to have wisdom because he knew that that was very valuable. And so um, there's a section that were organized by Hezekiah. And then there is a small section of, they're called the words of Agur and King Lemuel. And these are collections of some other sages. And of particular interest is Proverbs 31, which really, it has this really high view of the roles, the capabilities, and the qualities of wise women. It was interesting when I was just trying to get information about different things with Proverbs. I saw a couple articles that were really kind of giving pushback on Proverbs 31. And I'm kind of going off script here, but it was in, it's been in my mind. <laughs> but basically, there was like this criticism of like, no woman can live up to Proverbs 31 and be a Proverbs 31 woman. But I think that kind of misses the point. I think the point is, these are all, like, all the different things that, that that woman, that wise woman is said to have done. Like, those are all things that women can, can, can do and, and can glorify God in those things. It doesn't mean that one woman has to do every single one of those. But I think the point is, God is showing there's wisdom here take hold of what he wants for you out of that chapter. So anyway, I just wanted to mention that. This is a really cool, really cool uh, chapter. Also in the structure that basically you, the book begins with the commendation of wisdom, and then it goes into the counsel of wisdom. That's where all the relationships are mentioned, like being encouraged to obey our parents, avoid bad conduct, even things like how we use our finances, how we live in relationship to loaning people money and things like that. And then we get into the comparison of wisdom. There are different literature types of um, methods of explaining the Proverbs themselves. And I won't spend a lot of time on that, um, but again, I kind of have it outlined on your worksheet. Um, Basically, there's single statements expressing a fact. There are comparisons. Um, there are two-cause comparisons, which are like comparing something good and something bad, or like contrasting by using the word like but in between. Um, there are two-clause types of proverbs where it's basically saying the same thing, just using different words, almost for emphasis. And then there's the acrostic method, which Proverbs 31 is, an, is used as an acrostic method. Brian talked a little bit about that last week when he was looking at Psalm uh, 1 and 119, and there's some others that have that, where basically the, the in the original language, the first letter of each line is the letter of the alphabet. So like in our case, it would be A, B, C, D, you know, remembering things that way. It's really neat way to memorize things and commit them to memory, kind of like the songs that the kids were working on. So we don't have, unless you read Hebrew, you're not going to get that um, full depth of, of that from Proverbs 31. But I just think it's really interesting. Um, I'll, I w I'm going to ask you a question, and this will either confirm that people are still teaching this or show that I'm really getting old. But like, let me ask you, this. Who, who is Roy G. Biv. Does anybody know Roy G. Biv? All right, good. Okay, I see a few hands. All right, so anybody who doesn't know Roy, uh, Roy G. Biv was the way I was taught to, 
to memorize the order of the colors of spectrum or rainbow. So there's red, orange, yellow, green, blue, indigo, violet. So I just think it's awesome that this isn't Roy G. Biv, but that God, to preserve his word and to make it alive to people, used a technique like that, just a little helpful method, the way our brain works. So I think that's pretty cool. And I'd just like to revisit what I mean when I talked about how Proverbs helps us to live righteously. And I mentioned about the preventative, the maintenance, and the remedy. And, um, but I, I think it's important that we talk about that um, these are principles and not promises, a lot of the Proverbs. What I mean by that is they're built upon the way things usually work, but they're not necessarily always going to happen what we're reading. And the reason that as I really hope that you will embrace Proverbs in your life and share the impact that that particular proverb may have had in your life with other people, but we don't want to fall into a works mentality that if I do this, then this will automatically follow. Because if we do, that can lead to some like inaccurate expectations, which would could cause us to become disappointed or confused or even angry with God and that is definitely not what he intended when he gave us this book to, to give you some examples I just listed a couple and they're really personal so like one of these or one that's not listed here might like hit you more than or have caused you more confusion or what than would affect somebody else but one might be Train up a child in the way he should go, and even when he is old, he will not depart from it. Another could be, my son, um, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments. For length of days and years of life and peace, they will add to you. For that one in particular, like, you know, there are many people who, are, um, who may be very wise and very faithful in keeping God's commandments and trying to have a close relationship, and their life may be may end very, very early, what well, seems very early to us. And that doesn't mean that somehow God is not, like, he made a mistake here. It's just, in general, you know, if we don't smoke five packs of cigarettes and drink a case of beer every day, we're probably going to live longer than somebody did. You know, just as an example, these are generalities that are typically true. The last one, all hard work brings a profit, but mere talk leads only to poverty. Well, there are many people who are in poverty who are working very hard, so we don't want to misconstrue that proverb to say, it like, well, somehow they're doing something wrong. I just think that's, that's not accurate. So you might, uh, because the goal is not to do things the right way, to do everything the way Proverbs or any other book in the Bible says. The goal, that's not the goal. The goal is honoring God. Honoring God is the goal. And he is trustworthy, as that verse we read earlier, he's trustworthy to bring us through whatever we face. I mean, we don't have to look too far in the Bible to see examples of people who weren't 100% on track their whole life. We can look at Abraham's life. We can look at Joseph. We, and, and it goes the other way, too. We can look at, if we look at Joseph, for example, we can look at his life and see, like, wait a minute, like, Potiphar's wife was, like, really pushing him to do something wrong and he chose the right thing and where did he end up he ended up in jail like that doesn't seem right but that's only the small picture in the big picture god continues to be faithful in in his principles um 
Dave talked about Job a few weeks ago, and um, that's another example of things going on behind the scene that we don't always have the whole picture of what God's doing. But when we, when we try to follow, when we try to honor God, I believe that um, we and like those before us will have encounters with God and receive blessings of fellowship with God, again, like Dave shared a couple weeks ago. So are there, are there promises in Proverbs? And I'd say the answer is yes. That anything that's specifically about God's character is reliable and is a promise. And I've listed uh, a few Proverbs here guarding that, and basically they have to do with God just being omnipresent, being all-knowing, being trustworthy. We can understand those things from the Proverbs. So what are some things that Jesus has to say about wisdom, since this is about wisdom? Well, clearly Jesus didn't say anything contrary to the book of Proverbs or the wisdom in Proverbs. What I'd like to mention here, though, is that Jesus is not as much the connection with uh, the book of Proverbs itself, but other places where Jesus has provided us wisdom. In this passage of Luke 21, verses 13 to 15, Jesus said to his disciples, he said, And so you will bear testimony to me, but make up your mind not to worry beforehand how you will defend yourselves, for I will give you words and wisdom that none of your adversaries will be able to resist or contradict. He's assuring his disciples of the wisdom that they would receive. Now, they would have had Proverbs, they would have known that, but he's promising them some other additional wisdom. Another verse like that is in um, Acts 6, we're talking about Stephen. So this was after Jesus had um, been crucified and rose again and the church was beginning to grow. It says, grow. It says, so the word of God spread. The number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly and a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. And now Stephen, a man full of God's grace and power, performed great wonders and signs among the people. And opposition arose. It goes on to describe the opposition. But they could not stand up against the wisdom the Spirit gave him as he spoke. Again, I've, I've, on your worksheet, I've included a couple other verses that talk about the wisdom that God's going to provide as we need it and as they needed it in the past. So why incorporate Proverbs into our lives? I think we need to go back to that wisdom and instruction section and have this desire to, to develop our skills so that they will be more likely to produce, with God's help and God's guidance, things of beauty. I was, I like, I saw, um, just recently uh, watched the first episode, or not quite, we didn't get through the whole thing, but of Pirates of the Caribbean. Um, and there's a scene, for those of you who've seen it, there's a scene where there's a sword fight between Captain Jack Sparrow and Will Turner, and they're in this enclosed space, and um, you know, so it's a fight, so there's, it's not like a straight dialogue, it goes back and forth, but there's, basically, Captain Jack discovers that this place is full of swords, and he says, because just when he thinks he's disarmed Will, he gets another sword, he's like, who makes, he says, who makes all these? And Will replies, I do. 
and I practice with them three hours a day so that when I meet a pirate, I can kill it. And I thought, wow, that, that is discipline. That I, not, not only do I like spend time getting to know these tools, but I work with them three hours a day and so that I can act with what, what it's designed for. It just makes me think about the Bible, to have that kind of discipline. And so what I would, what I'd like to do is if we could like, to kind of close off this time, I'd like if we could kind of like break into like groups of like seven or eight or something like that or something close. And I'm just curious if you guys have some method with Proverbs in particular that you have used to, um, that's been successful, that you've had success with or that you know, maybe you're doing it now that a way that you tried to get that word into your, into your routine, into your, um, uh, your daily life. Um, so if I could, like say, if, if, if you could just get in little groups and if anybody has something you could share within that group and then, uh, then we're just gonna stay in those groups for a few more minutes after that. So do you guys want me to help you put you in the groups? Or <laughs> can, could you, just the people close to you would probably be easiest. And uh, I, I'll, I won't make it go too long, but um, like I said, if, if you have anything like that or if you've read of it, it would be great to share. All right, oh, good, got everybody, thank you. Um, so I'll just kind of go around. This is cool, I can walk around. Um, did you guys have any like thing that, you know, that, an idea? I was the recorder. Oh, okay. Uh, okay, so that she said, absorb small portions of Proverbs at a time. Don't drink the whole <laughs> gallon, right? Okay. Um, memorize verses okay. and also put parts to songs to help you remember. Okay, yeah, memorize verses and then put some parts to songs. Okay, those are great. Um, do you guys back here have anything um, like that or different? Something similar? Okay, cool. cool. How about over here, anybody? We'll put anybody on the spot. Um, somebody in our group mentioned like getting, you can have like a sign up or something that's like, it wouldn't necessarily be with Proverbs per se, but like an app or an email that reminds you, prompts you to, to read something in the word. That's a good thing. Any, anybody else? Have, oh, David. Ah, uh, that's a good one. <laughs> that reminds me, that reminds me. No, 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 sorry, I gotta just say it, because I had to, I had like, I used to write down cards, I still do it every now and then, not as much, but I would put cards on, uh, verses on cards, and just try to look at it throughout the day, and um, this one, I'm, gosh, just ask them, I'm still working on this one, as Proverbs 14, 29, he who is slow to anger has great understanding, but he who is quick-tempered exalts folly, okay, so model it, right, okay, that's good, yeah, James. Yeah. Yep. That's great. Yeah. I, I, somebody taught me that years ago, too. That's a good one. Anybody else? You guys got anything? I heard you guys. Yeah. Man. Sorry. Right. To share it, not just like keep it and proverb party. All right. That's cool. <laughs> All right. I like that. 
Um, I wrote a couple others down just, but yeah, feel free to write down some of those things. I thought too, um, so we're just going to close off the proverb time in prayer. And Lord Jesus, thank you so much for these verses. Thank you for Paul rewriting to remind us, which was also shared in the Gospels, Lord. Thank you that we can do this in remembrance of you and that by doing so, we are proclaiming your death until you come. Lord, we pray that um, when you come, we will be found ready and we will. We pray that many, many will be ready to um, bend their knee joyfully and readily, Lord. We know every knee will bend, but we pray that you will save more in the meantime until you come, Lord. Thank you for dying on the cross for our sins. Amen.